looking for the king of podcasts, you're at the wrong channel. Looking for good ideas for life, you are far from good hands. If you think the listener is always right, you are far from the right place. Hosted by a Northeasterner by birth, a rebel by choice. If you want a host that floats between love and madness, then play on and listen to Crazy Train Radio. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Mmm, I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch is got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. Mm -mm Mmm-mm-mm. Don't mess with me, I'm one crazy mofo. Hey there, Friday fans. We know how much you enjoy the movies. Enjoy grabbing your Friday merchandise and interacting with the Friday family, whether it be at conventions or during our particular watch-alongs. Well, when you're looking to get yourself masks, why not check out our friends over at Camp Blood Customs out of New York State and order your specific custom mask from any other films. All orders are made specifically. Your needs and wants are. Make sure you find Camp Blood Customs on Facebook, Instagram, and all over social media and order yours today. Hi, this is Dee Dee Pfeiffer from ABC's Big Sky, and you are listening to Crazy Train Radio. Hey folks, it's your least favorite host in the podcast world, Croc, Jonathan Steele. And I'm Elena, your favorite host from the Emerald Isle. Boy, do we have a good one for you today.
All right, folks, it is time once again. We are recording this, I guess, about two weeks out, which is usually not my protocol, but it's okay for this guest because <laughs> she's got something special going on again. We are entering season two at the end of the month as of this recording. I, I believe it's September 30th, correct? That's right, and we have a new night, Thursday nights. All right, so that'd be Thursday nights, start September 30th on ABC, a little show called Big Sky. Now, this <laughs> guest stars as Denise Bisbane, and excuse me for if I screwed up that last name, but she's also known for roles in Sybil, and once in a while, people try maybe try to compare her to her sister, Michelle, but this guest is Dee Dee Pfeiffer. How are you this afternoon out now the mountain time there? I am doing great. Thank you for having me on your show. Appreciate it. And I just want to acknowledge as we record this as well, before we start it, I got to meet Dee Dee's bird. Yeah. And when she logged on to the video call, she also had a picture of <laughs> one of her, her dog and a cat. So she is, as she said, almost a zoo at her yeah. place. This isn't a zoo. It's a prison. <laughs> yeah. My email has, it's like Mountain Zoo too, because I <laughs> I live on a mountain, I live in a zoo and have a couple kids. <laughs> yeah. Well, the zoo is just because of the kids, but that's. Yeah, awesome. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, let's dive in there. And I, has some other stuff i actually did some reading god forbid you know for research <laughs> and stuff like that because we know everything online is true and yada oh, yada yada yeah 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 but <laughs> let's start with the newbie coming up big sky yeah. second second season you are and i didn't realize this at the time not totally pen, paying attention with uh Produce, get ready to do a couple different uh, episodes and I was actually reviewing a pay-per-view last night so what I didn't realize though was that you are working with your brother-in-law David E. <laughs> Kelly who has written for Doogie Hauser, Picket Fences, Chicago Hope, you know, Ali McBeal, Boston Public, yada yada yada. He's got right? Nine Perfect Strangers. Yeah, yeah. he's He's had a couple of uh, hits as a writer and producer and all that fun stuff. Just a couple. Yeah. Yeah. So, but the name is known. So how is that for you working with family? Well, you know, for those of you uh, who've heard me before, I apologize for repeating myself, but it's the truth. The truth is the truth. So what are you going to do? Right. Um, I've never worked with David before. So this is the first, but um, it's because we're in a pandemic setting, at least, especially last season, we were in Canada and very isolated everything zoom i only saw him a couple times on zoom and that was with like a, the whole cast and writers and other producers so it was just uh wasn't really like working with him it doesn't feel like i'm working with family as much as i'm working with a lot of people more particularly the producers who are actually on the set with us you know one-on-one -on -one. so although his name is on it and he certainly um it's his show um 
it's not really like working with him. Like, like right now you and I are having a conversation, you know what I mean? But it is funny when I saw him on the zoom call, cause I just wanted to talk to him about fishing. Cause that's really what we do. You know, every once a year, the family goes fishing. So, um, and he's completely turned my son into this crazy fisherman. So every time I see him, I just want to be like, dude, you know, when are we going fishing again? Right. Let's get, we'll get a Chinook, you know, some salmon. And, um, and we eat them by the way. So we, you know, we're not like rude like that, but, um, but uh, so when I see him in a work setting, it's it's just kind of I always just want to giggle because I just want to go. Yeah. Oh my god, this is so weird. Because <laughs> his family, you know, he's David. He's he's a silly one at the, the the Thanksgiving table who's always pulling pranks on people, and you know. Yeah, and it's funny uh, that you mention it. I uh, come from a family of hunters and fishermen and whatnot, and we do the same thing. That anything we catch. Yeah. We do, we do eat and we do, you know, everything respectfully. So before people, before PETA and all start calling, yeah. we are respectful to everything with, when it comes to animals and mother nature. Oh yeah. And I, I fund a lot of uh, PETA and organizations and I rescue and um, I'm, I, I, I rescue animals literally like on my own. Like I pull over and I actually help those that are running wild or hurt. And I did it sometimes illegally. I didn't know that in LA you needed a wildlife license to pick them up and save their lives. So I'm like, well, arrest me. If I save that deer on the side of the road in LA, oh, well, it's worth going to jail. You know? Yeah. So, but, you know, <laughs> I wanted to make that clear before, you know, people start going, oh, listen to them, you know? Yeah. So. I just figure if, if anybody or anything is hurt on the side of the road, I'm going to pull over and I'm going to help you, period. That's all. And I'll figure out the legalities later because yeah. it's the right thing to do as a human being who cares about, you know, uh, Mother Earth and all of her beauty and her creatures. And you know, it's one of those ask for forgiveness later and apologize, <laughs> but trying to do the right thing. I'm not out there telling people to break the law. I didn't realize no, I was no. breaking the law. <laughs> yeah, no, we're not saying that. <laughs> yeah. No, what I'm saying is it's one of those, yeah, trying to do the right thing, but yeah. ask for forgiveness later on. Yeah. I mean, I'm more educated now on how to do it correctly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But Big Sky, like I said, get ready to go. For those who aren't familiar with the series, it's, I would say, fans across the nation and abroad have turned into this show. Because it features so many different things, whether it be kidnapping, murder, serial killer, human trafficking. Let me try this in English. <laughs> just, just about everything in a that you normally wouldn't think you'd see in a beautiful mountain town. But your character, you work for a sheriff's agency or a detective. You know, excuse me. So, what? And I, as I mentioned in the introduction, you've done other things throughout your career and such. What makes this particular series and role special for you? Well, I got to tell you, you hit it on the head when you described Big Sky. One of the reasons why I think it's so special, and it is ABC's, a big show for ABC, is that it crosses a little over into cable. It feels a little like cable. If you saw the first season and the first episode, we're very naughty. We break a lot of major network rules. <laughs> We kill people when you're not supposed to. We will do it when you're not looking. And how we do it also is very like, what? I mean, as an actor reading the scripts, I'm like, wait, did I read that right? Did I read that right? So I can only imagine the, the, the response from the public who are watching the show. Because if I'm doing that as an actor, right, how fun and exciting is it for people to watch? It's the element of the unknown. 
we mess with you, we tease you, we cliffhang you, we're cliffhang you, we will bring on amazing guest stars that are brilliant and we will kill you and you won't know how or why, but you'll have a good time and fantastic actors. We have the older ones, the recycled ones like me and John and all that. And then with these younger ones that are new and upcoming and have their in their own right, their own body of work. And then we've got some um, real newcomers who you've never seen before that, you know, we're discovering their talent. Uh, we've got, it's sexually charged. It's emotionally charged. It's like you said, we do a current event. Um, this season, we're going to tap into the cartel and the younger population and how when they butt up against each other, how that gets really dirty and messy and dangerous. And we've got some older characters that might come back. I'm not sure. I can't say. <laughs> and then you got like me, Denise, who's always in Dual and Hoyt. And you, people think I'm sketchy because you don't really know a lot about me. So that's always fun. This season, are you going to find out any more about Denise? I don't know. You may have to find out to see. <laughs> and folks, they call that a little tease. But I will <laughs> say. Yes. <laughs> You think she's been around the, the entertainment business a little bit with a tease there. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it's funny that from what I have seen, because I just recently started watching this series to just kind of get a feel of it before talking with you. And what I have seen, and tell me if I'm wrong with this, but you seem like you or Denise is a voice of reason who tends to defuse some of the detectives when they yeah. get hot headed and with passion and emotion. And definitely us like us Northeast with their vinegar, piss and vinegar, I should say. So yeah. would I hit that on the head that you're pretty yep. much a voice of reason? When you smack that on the head, she is the voice of reason. She's the mama bear. She's the, she's the rock. He just smacked the rock with his hand. Oh, he's got a bat now. Oh, I like it. Is this on video? I hope not. I have crazy hair. <laughs> And that's the thing. It's crazy, an, crazy hair, yeah. crazy hair, yes. on crazy train. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny when you say that and we don't show the videos unless the only videos we do is we do watch alongs. We since the pandemic started oh, okay. movie, movies and such, but we do it on a Zoom call. But we then save the Q&A for the public to see. But oh, this. No. Yeah. Like we do have guests from movies and such. And we do that kind of thing. Do running commentaries. But like I, like I told Anthony, and I don't care to, I try to be as honest and upfront with the uh, public. You know, I said, we're not going to be sharing this video because I obviously didn't get my makeup on this morning. Yeah. Yeah. She's all about that. Right. See, I hear you on that. You know, when you, when you look like I do, I got to have my makeup up. I just literally got out of the shower. Jonathan, I don't have makeup on, but you know what I do? Because I'm so damn clever. I will switch this camera over to the left a little bit and pull in the cockatoo, Panty. And then Panty will steal the scene from me and no one will even notice I'm not wearing makeup. They'll be like, look at the cockatoo. See, yeah. I'm smart. Kids yes. and animals, they, there's a reason. They steal the scene when you're not wearing makeup. <laughs> you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> that, that almost sounds like that old line that you never work with uh, animals and children because they always steal the scene. Oh, I do. I love it. Are you kidding me? I let them steal the scene. That's the, that's the, that's how you work with them. Let them steal the scene, let them run with it. And you sit back and let that, you know, your paycheck's the same, let them, let them shine and let them be funny and entertaining. And then if you can maybe squeak something in great, if not, then guess what? Let, you know, let them, let them hey, have it. <laughs> hey, at the end of the day, your uh, paycheck's going to, uh, no, right? let them do all the work. <laughs> so oh, to your question about Denise, 
She is a voice of reason. She is like mama bear. She's a huge smart ass. She knows how to deescalate very high intense anxiety like situations. The girls are always under a lot of stress and pressure because they're constantly chasing after some really bad, nasty guys in situations that get very scary for innocent people. So um, Denise is that kind of constant, you know, she's that constant. She's always in the office. She, she's there when they're running around, they need like a little piece of information fast. That's her. She's also, I think I like to kind of uh, describe her as the rock for the butterflies to land on. Okay. To take a rest, to go back out, you know, into the, their life's journey. And these two women, their life's journey, of course, are helping people. So, uh, I kind of give them a, a, a safe landing. And now we brought in another, oh, can I say that? There's another character that joins Duel and Hoyt. Let's just, I'll just say that, without giving out any story. And so she and I created like a really great uh, rapport towards the end of last season, a little bit. You'll see more of that this season. And hopefully uh, that will turn into something kind of fun. Well, well. several teases here yeah. for yeah. Big Sky right here on uh i usually don't plug doing the interviews but a little couple teases oh, here about crazy train radio yeah well, so, and this show is a crazy train show because we are constantly teasing the audience we are constant cliffhanging we cliffhang in the middle of like every other episode we cliffhang <laughs> we don't even wait till the end <laughs> exactly and with these teases make sure you check out big sky <laughs> coming up to you on ABC starting September 30th on a yeah. new night of Thursdays there we go plug plug <laughs> yes, get that in, you know, and I appreciate that. So I've got to ask, because I was doing it all homework, like I said, and we know everything on the internet is true. <laughs> but this first part I heard come out of your mouth in a different oh. interview. So oh. Oh. I'd like, unless something's changed, you know, and I love the coffee mug. She she just almost did a spit take on her computer. <laughs> She's over here drinking coffee in the middle of the day. It's 99 degrees. I'm going to spit it out the computer. She, yeah, she almost did the spit take. But when you were, this would have been, if I heard this correct, maybe right out of high school-ish, that when you wanted to start to get into acting, you mm-hmm. talked to Michelle, uh-huh. and she said, uh-uh, don't look at agents, don't do go to an acting class first, you know, start to educate yourself within this field before you try to hire an agent and get work and all that fun stuff. So what is that story? Well, you're dead on. That's just, if, and if that's what I said, then, then then there's the truth. Because one thing I do try to do is be transparent and honest. And that's because I'm in recovery, dude. I'm three years sober. And one way I keep sober every day is you gotta, you gotta be authentic. I gotta be in my truth. So if I said it, then there you, well, before, who knows if I was telling the truth, but now, you know, that's the truth. So that's exactly what happened back there in 1982. A lot of people were becoming actors, all sorts of people were becoming actors. And um, so people were just getting agents and, and headshots before they even took an acting class. And so it was kind of this confusing time for real actors who were considered like real authentic you know, actors. So when I said, Hey, I want to be an actor. I want to try that. She was like, stop right there. First, see if you even want to be an actor first, see if that's even something you're interested in is the craft of acting, not all the hoopla around it, but the actual uh, activity career of acting. 
So she said, get into an acting class, which I did, an expensive one. So I had to work at, well, I didn't have to, but I chose to work um, as an illegal cocktail waitress at a female oil and mud wrestling place called Hollywood Tropicana at the time. Because at that time in 82, they didn't ask for (laughs) your license. So I was illegally schlepping drinks so I could pay for this really expensive acting class. And I, I studied for two years before I even looked for an agent or a headshot because I sucked. I was so bad. I know the acting coach was like, why does this girl want to be an actor? And it was, it was really because I was a hard head, like my dad used to call me. And I figured I can't quit this until I figure out how to do it. Well, it's now 2000, what, 21. And I still can't tell you, I figure out how to do it, but that's, what's kind of cool about something that's an art is I don't think ever master an art you know what I mean? Fully. And if you do, and if you think you've got all the answers and I think you're kind of dead, you're done. Go do something else. You got to keep growing and, and learn with it and breathe with it, which is hard. Cause I'm like, I like things the way they, they are. I go to the same restaurant. I wear the same three shirts. <laughs> okay. I wash them, but you know what I mean? I like, I'm not a big change person, but one thing when you're an actor with life is changing, characters are changing. I mean, how I would play a hooker, in 82 or even early 90s is a hell of a lot different than the way I play it now. Still a hooker, the same role, but I'm going to play it differently because times yeah. have changed, right? So characters change. And so- um, And what you know of hookers has changed. Absolutely. And what year, yeah, yeah. and what year is this hooker? Is she in the 80s? Is she in the 90s? Because they were different back then than they are now. That's for darn sure, right? Yeah. Um, addiction back then was looked at differently than it is now. See, so everything has really changed. So one has to do, like you did, research on your characters, research on the time. And again, there is no two people that are alike. So no two characters are alike. Exactly. So job as an artist, you know, it's the same thing with a painter, I would imagine, right? I could, we, you both are going to paint the same landscaping, but it's going to be, you're going to use two different lenses and it's going to look differently, hopefully. And there's exactly. beauty in both. Yeah, there's beauty in both. So you just have to find your niche. So I'm still trying to find my niche. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, 40 years later. <laughs> hey, whatever works. Yeah, but right. During that uh, training there, I heard that you were you found yourself to be painfully shy. Is that I, still the case? Yeah, believe it or not, I'm chatty as hell, but I'm really shy. I'm good one on one or a couple people. But once it gets a little bigger than that, I get real shy. It was one of the reasons why I drank so much is because it was my my courage juice to be able to go into bigger functions and what have you, how I was able to act sober. I'm looking back. I'm not quite sure how I did that. <laughs> I never drank while working because I was a high functioning alcoholic, but let me tell you socially, I was, it was painful and it still is. I just have now tools to, to use, to make it a little less painful to talk in front of more than a couple people. Well, since you brought that up about your past and such, yeah. And it's awesome that you are three years clean and everything. Yeah. What made you say, okay, enough's enough time to try to stay sober and you know, yeah. the positive side of things? Well, being a high-functioning alcoholic, and by the way, there's a whole bunch of us, or high-functioning addict, it doesn't really matter what the DOC is the drug of choice. Alcohol, meth, heroin, sex, gambling, shopping, work. I mean, if you're doing anything, where it's obsessive and it's an addiction, right? And it's ma- and your life is not being managed in a way that's positive or you're the best that you can be, that's when you have to stop and look at it. Well, I stopped and looked at it privately for many, 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 many years, like most people in their addiction, actively in their addiction. We know privately inside something's wrong. 
We know, but -hmm. we're in denial about it because it's, it's really hard to look at that because there's a lot of shame around addiction and we're just, just the beginnings of uh, looking at addiction with a little less judgment and social stigma and as a disease, because that's what it is. You know, you would never shame somebody who's got cancer, but we still shame addicts. And so we're still working on that. And that's why I'm so open about it. I figure the more we can talk about it, hopefully the little less shame and social stigma surrounds it, right? Own it, grab it by the, you know what, and say, no, 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 no. This is what I have, not who I am. And here's the best part. While I'm in my addiction, I went from the identified problem to now the identified possibility. Nothing's more exciting than when you watch somebody uh, in recovery for an addiction, for or whatever the addiction is, because it's it's hard. It's not easy. It's messy. Recovery is messy, but so is life. So why not try it? <laughs> you know. But all I know is I'm much better as a person overall. And that's what makes Denise, by the way, my favorite character to play to date. First one I've played sober. And well, you I'm- said life's messy, but, you know, we, te- and especially in cases like New Mexico, we just tend to throw a little deodorant on things sometimes and whatever. But all kidding aside, was there a certain moment that you said, oh. okay. Bottom. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes people that's hit rock like- bottom. Well, for every but- app, they have their bottom. You know, yeah. funny, most people around the addict will say that didn't make her quit, quit drinking or her drugs or her sex addict or her shopping or his okay. heroin, meth, whatever it is. Right. Everybody else will tell you your bottom. Right. I mean, I know I've worked with the homeless. I've seen women and men lose their children and they still couldn't kick their addiction. You think that would have done it, but it didn't. Everybody's bottom looks different. It's very subjective. I can't tell you what your bottom is. Only you know that. And I knew that I hit many bottoms, to be honest with you. I hit bottoms all the time, but there was a point in which after my first year at UCLA and my master's, my ninth year in college, raising two kids on my own and uh, just lost my mom, um, lost my dad years before that. It was just, I think, accumulative. And all, like I said, I, I think I was exhausted from trying to, because when you're a high, high, when you're a high functioning addict, it's exhausting trying to hide. It is exhausting trying to ignore or deny the truth, right? Everyone else can see it, but you're in denial and it's really hard. So my family actually came to me and they could see that I, I had had it. And little did they know I was looking at, I was looking at 800 numbers on TV, you know, 1-800-ADDICTION, call, be anonymous. And I was going to call and just be anonymous and say, hey, my name is Jill and I don't know how to do this. And I'm riddled with shame and embarrassment, you know, and literally right when the ball, so clearly I had hit my bottom and somehow my family was so intuitive. They came to me and said, Hey, we want to do an intervention. And I said, Hey, you don't have to, where do I go to take care of my boys? And I'm there. And two days later, I was in a 30 day intensive inpatient rehab in my fifties, going through menopause, no, no, nothing, no phone, no computer, no talking to anybody. It was one of the hardest things I've done with other people struggling like me. And for the first time in my life, I didn't feel alone. Yeah. First time in my life, I was with others like me. And there was such safety there. And there was tears and pain and anger and joy and all sorts of stuff we did together. I mean, I, these were strangers, 35 strangers. And I love all of them. And not all of them, by the way, made it. Out of all of us, there's only four of us still sober who haven't relapsed. We've already lost two. Went to the light from addiction, relapse. 
So this is like serious shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, yeah. We can do deep dives on that for sure. And there's the That's other thing. Interview, right, babe? Oh, oh, absolutely. Because like I was going to say there, we can, when you dive into it, then there's the thing just because of personal experience without getting into that. There's ties with mental illness, with addiction. And like I said, there's tremendous trauma that I've been carrying for years and years and years, multiple, uh, multiple episodes of trauma that in my generation, my dad, you know, Dick Pfeiffer, man, he came from North Dakota and my grandma would just sew him back together. If he had a wound, throw some whiskey on and tell him to shut up and smack him. If he cried when she was sewing him up with a needle and thread. And guess what? The, the, when you got up quickly after being knocked down, you were pat on the back and told, good job. You're tough. Didn't hurt. And that's how I was raised. So when you got knocked down from trauma or pain or anything, and you got back up fast, didn't hurt, didn't hurt. You were uh, complimented. You were considered tough. You were strong. You were amazing. And now we realize, no, you cannot ignore that, that trauma, man. You can't You got to lean into it and get some, get, get it assessed, treated properly, lean into it, own it. And now, like I say, I have a story, right? I am not my story. But up until I dealt with my addiction and my trauma, I was my story. I was my story. Now I have a story. See the difference? Yeah. Yeah. My story doesn't own me by the you know what. I own it. But I had yeah. to do some really painful work. But guess what? It's worth it. Life is painful sometimes. I mean, right? So it's kind of like pick and choose your, your evils. If, if life is already going to throw you some, for sake of a better word, shit balls, excuse my language, right? And it, and it will. And it does. You might as well try recovery because <laughs> at least yeah. there's some rewards at the end of the painful days of getting through another day where you're sober or you didn't use and you go, oh, I'm stronger than I ever thought I, I, I was. And that trauma is in the past and there's no healing back there. There's no healing back there. So, right. So the more we can stay in the moment. And like right now I'm with you, I'm out here, the birds inside, not turning into a barbecue cockatoo. That is my truth, right? That's my right, truth. And that's right here, I'm right at. now at 2.36 mountain time, this is where DD is. And that's, you're not the first person I heard. And like I said, we can go a whole different direction with all that stuff. You know, not only from personal experience, but your education as well. That yeah. There's just so many different factors people don't realize with. Addiction. I just think it's so important to let people know that they're not alone because I was so alone in my disease. I had friends and family who loved me so much, but I was still so alone, slowly dying inside because you know, I wasn't living in my truth. Right. Yeah. And that sounds easy, but it's harder than it sounds. But guess what? It's doable. And millions of people are doing it every day. Some yeah. a little yeah. better than others. And that's OK. That's, I have better days like today. I'm having a good day. That doesn't mean tomorrow that I wake up and go. Oh. <laughs> but you know, as we sit, like I said, right at this moment, everything is good. It's a great so. day. It's beautiful. And I didn't fry the cockatoo yet. So yeah, yeah. that's another positive. <laughs> you know, we, you know, no animals were hurt doing the taping of this interview, folks. <laughs> doing that. Exactly. But you mentioned it there, getting working on your master's degree. Did you end up finishing that? I did while working on the pilot of Big Sky. Talk about the universe and Mother Earth opening up when you really just put your sights on um, trying to get make wrongs right. 
the best way to do that is just to change in the moment and keep on a path of doing the right next indicated action, even though it might be hard, continue on. And I was doing that. And then I was a year from graduating um, right before the pandemic at UCLA. It took me nine years to get there. I had to take a year off from my sobriety. And then I thought, oh boy, now that I'm here, how am I going to support my kids financially? I'm a social worker's uh, degree, which is no money in LA. I mean, maybe in other places, that's a lot of money. In LA, that's nothing. Um, and we don't live high on the hog. You know, we really, really don't, <laughs> you know. Um, and then out of nowhere, my brother-in-law, out of, I didn't even know he had my number. He texted me while I was doing my internship and said, hey, are you still acting? I'm doing this show called Big Sky. And I think there's a great role for you. And I was like, oh, oh my God, that, there's the answer. There it is. I could, you know, and I was like, yes, 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 yes. Thank you. So he threw me a lifeline without even knowing that I didn't know how I was going to financially support my children, my two boys when I got my degree. So there was this overlap of me. It's funny because when the cast met me, especially Jesse James Keitel, she plays Jerry in the show. She met me. I was in the corner of the room down in the lobby and I was eating breakfast and I was had all these books through like midterms or something. And she goes, I think that's Edie Fiber, but that person's studying. I don't know who, you know, and I was like, oh, that was, and they were like, oh my God, she's finishing her master's while doing the pilot. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I, that was I, that was DD Pfeiffer yeah. in the corner, you know, eating and reading and studying. <laughs> and reading and doing Zoom calls with the with the professors and and doing my capstone on grief. Yeah, I was boy, yeah, yeah, doing it all. <laughs> it, but like you said, it's funny how and I'm not a religious person, but it's funny how I think you hit it on the head there that the universe connected right time, right place. David called and said, hey, yeah. Uh, and here we are. I'm with you. I'm not religious either, but I do believe in energy. I believe in Mother Earth is alive. And I think that, like you said, the universe shifts and it changes your trajectory. It's a you matter get of what you put out. There you go. And I try every day. One of the many skills I use is try to go through every day with curiosity versus resistance. Because when you're hearing somebody or seeing something and you're listening through the lens of resistance, you're not seeing all of it and not clearly. But you're, and you're certainly not as open, right, as you yeah. can be if you're looking at things through curiosity, which is no judgment and, you know, just all of that more comes towards you. Right. You can see more. And the, you, you, like you said, the universe opens up. And I think that's what happened. Um, and for me, I'm just trying to teach my boys that, too. And the only way to teach them anything is just to do it, you know, is to do it, not tell them because God knows my boy. I don't know about your kids. Mine. <laughs> if I tell them what to do, they're going to do the opposite. So I'm just trying to do it to show them this is what it looks like, you know. Well, you know, and I want to end there. But as you answer well, I want to end after this question because okay. I'm thinking about this and you've already mentioned it, that being a single mom of two boys and such, which is, I'm sure, very difficult. How old, well, how old are the boys? My boys right now are 15 and 19. Okay. And you don't have to get specifically into this because I'm going to do a deep dive here, but with a 15 and 19 year old, and I don't know if their father's in the picture or not, but for you, and this is your story, not anybody else's, because every situation is different. Mm -hmm. But as you were describing that, trying to set a good example for your boys, how difficult is that as a mom? And moms do great jobs, whether you have male children, female children, whatever the case is. 
but at least your experience as a mother tried to set a good example for your boys to be good men when they leave your nest, if that makes sense. Um, what did I do? What, or? What, do, what worked for you to make sure oh, okay. you put good boys or into good men out to the universe? Well, I can tell you one thing is I, my mantra with my boys is, is this. Hey, you, did, you didn't pop out with a manual, okay? This so, is true. So I need you to know that I'm human. I do try my hardest every day. Some days I, I'm, I, my report card as a mama isn't so great. Other days I'm going to get A's and that's being human. And, and I think really there's a couple things. One, acknowledge when you're wrong as a parent. It's okay. Show them that it's okay to be a parent because if we have this, I'm the parent, I'm always right. What are we telling them? That the perfection is, that exists in the world? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not a big uh, believer of that. And perfection is subjective anyways. So I'm like, it, my whole thing is effort, right? If you're trying your hardest every day, that's all that you can give. I said, listen, if I only got 10 bucks, I can only give you 10 bucks. If you need 20 and I only got 10, I'm going to have to figure out some other set skills to figure out how to give you 20 when I only got 10, right? So as a parent, you give what you got. I think it's important to acknowledge when you're wrong. And all that means is to say, hey, you know something? I'm going to stand here and tell you I'm wrong. I'm sorry. You're right on that one. And then walk away. Don't give them. That's it, though. That Don't let them keep telling you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just acknowledge it and walk away. Also, staying in my own lane. I taught them this phrase, stay in your own lane. Because just because I'm a parent, I do. I always say it's shocking that, that I got to 57 years old knowing nothing Braxton and Maximus, because you know they're teenagers and they know everything, and I don't know anything. So I you often use humor, you know. Wow, it's shocking that I got to be 57 years old, and I don't know anything according to you. But I, but what the little I know, I'm just gonna throw it out there. You can take it or leave it. So respecting their boundaries by saying, "I'm gonna throw this out at you," you can take it or leave it. But they were words that I, I helped me later in life. Like, don't not say something to them just because you don't think they're going to listen to you because they're not. But sometimes it does go into their long term memory. And when they get older, they'll look back and go, oh, that's right. My mom told me that. And I get to go. Yeah, that was me. That was me. I told you that like six years ago. That was me. Can I throw the credit this way? Because otherwise, YouTube gets all the credit. Right. So especially as a single parent, um, I think that respect is huge. What I've always done with my boys is say to them, I never said what's wrong with you. Because when they're two and they're thrown a tantrum, that's actually quite right. Two-year-olds do that. So there's nothing wrong with him. I always used to yell, what is right with you? <laughs> but now let's have a conversation about it, right? Don't dumb them down. Don't shame them. And I don't ever compare your kids to each other. Embrace their differences. I always embrace their differences because my kids are so, they're polar opposite. Same dad, but totally different. And I think also, um, I always would say to them about, sometimes it's going to be my way. Sometimes it's going to be your way. And sometimes there's room for negotiation. But in the process of you trying to get your way, give me your defense. Give me your defense. Give me the facts as to why I should let you stay up another half an hour later. Right? Yes. Challenge them in a way that's exciting and, and fun. If they go, well, what do you mean? Then give them an example. Like I would say, well, then if I was you, I'd be like, mom, I cleaned my room when you didn't even ask me. To me, oh, you've got a good defense that maybe I should give you 15 minutes. You want a half an hour? You want to negotiate? <laughs> so now you're actually having, you're teaching them skills on how to maneuver and life uh, and, and consequences, right? There's rewards for good behavior 
And, you know, then there's consequences for not, I never said punishment. I just said consequences for your actions. Mm -hmm. I think language is important. I don't want them to think you're being punished. He would say, you're punishing me. I'm like, no, honey, no. We have laws or rules in the home and you kind of mowed right past that. And just like going 80 in a 20 miles an hour, the cop didn't make the law. He's just going to give you the ticket because you broke the law. I said this. You did that. Now you got to have, there's a consequence for it. That's it. Yep. You just kind of say to them, there's no drama, no anger, just there's consequences. This is how life is. You don't know it. You may not like it, but I'm trying to set you up for life. So you're not exactly. so surprised to get out there. You're not shocked by like how the life really works. Right. Yeah. And it's funny that you say that because, and I just was having this conversation with my father over the weekend at a family function. We were sitting there having a cocktail or two and you mentioned there about the uh yeah that was me that was me i i told you that you know as a mom <laughs> yeah. and i couldn't tell i i wasn't a horrible teenager but looking back now at it as a 37 year old i just remember my parents and my father trying to say maybe you should think of things this way or that way in a similar way you know trying trying to teach me but you know at that younger stage didn't listen yeah so like i said sitting there having a cocktail with him at a family event for my cousin's retirement party i said we'd laugh at it now over over that beer going dad you i'll i'll be the first to say dad you were right trying to tell me xyz mm -hmm. you know what i mean it's like it's funny you look back now like why didn't i listen and I but it was totally before, right. Yeah, I always say to them, one day in the future, you're going to say something back and you're like, no. I'm like, okay, that's cool. That's, but I know differently because I did the same thing with my parents. I look back and go, oh my God, I didn't get it. I really didn't understand the magnitude of the importance and what it means to be a parent. And it's, it's, um, it is the most important job, I think, on mother earth's planet and i'll tell you why what's more important than raising a good human being easy to raise a bad one because like i said they don't come out with manuals and it's easy to do it wrong really hard to do it right and at the end of the day i want two things for my boys to be good productive human beings who are happy i don't know what that looks like for them i don't know i told them if you want to be a trash truck driver then be the best trash truck driver who's the happiest at what he does that's all i ask right mm -hmm. like so what you want to do the world is your palate you're, the world is your palate. Just, you know, and keep, and it's okay to try something and go, ah, look at me. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I had every, I had a job since I was like 10 or 11 years old, multiple jobs before I was 18. Then I did acting school for two years and worked illegally as a cocktail waitress and then did acting. And then I went to school for 10 years and now I'm back acting. Who thought? Who thunk? Life literally, you know, like it can be, it's your um, playground. It's your playground. Well, before I let you go, what is and you mentioned it at the top of everything what is your instagram that you use because i also heard in that same interview that i was referencing earlier that was not you tweeting i don't even know how to tweet like there you go <laughs> you're cockatoo though dude she does she does i would i never did social media until i got big sky because okay. all the actors need to do it so we could do press on the show. So my boys were like, you're not going to do social media, are you? I said, I, I have to. And they were like, uh-oh. 
you're not, don't be like one of those celebrities who gets all mouthy on their soapbox. I said, okay, okay. So I was given very specific rules by my teenagers so I don't embarrass them. This is why my Instagram, Didi Pfeiffer official, uh, has a lot of like the cockatoo and the dog and the cat. And I, I'm very fluffy and fun and positive. I'm going to post things. And of course the show, but I'm also, I'm going to post things that are going to produce a lot of uh, dopamine and serotonin and all the chemicals in your brain that make you feel good. That's what you're going to get on my Instagram. Nothing too political or anything like that. Cause I mean, I support what's right and what's, what's um, what feels good to my heart, but I'm gentle when I do it. Yeah. <laughs> so and it's funny that you say that about, you know, not getting political and all that. And I'll put it this way. Cause I just heard on a Jeff Dunham special. If I'm sure you're familiar with him, Walter and all those guys that he does as a ventriloquist, but the line was in the show. Just because you're a celebrity doesn't make you smart. Oh God, that's not true. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, yeah, but it was funny how they presented <laughs> Just because you're a politician doesn't mean you're smart either. Or anything we do. (laughs) Yeah. That's why I think, like, I, of course, have my opinions, you know, that whole thing. And if I do sound a little, it's like I'm supporting something. It's just because it feels right to my heart and my soul. End of the day, yeah. And I'll do it with love and kindness. And I'm not going to throw, I'm not going to throw it at you with an ax. Cause I don't think in life, it's a good idea to throw anything, whether it's good or bad at you with an ax. I think everything that's uh, projected to you with love and kindness. And like, with like my, my boys, I try to present to them information in the hopes that they will absorb it and use it in life. It's the best I can do and then walk away. Exactly. And I think it's the same with that. And you're right. It's, it's, it, we do have a responsibility as celebrities. I mean, Oh, yeah. Yeah. So what I do on my own time to support certain causes, what have you, that's my thing. That's my gig, just like everybody else. And this is America. We're allowed to support what you want. Right. Whether I agree with you or not. You know, there you go. Yeah. But I appreciate that those you could tell a difference, though, with folks who are look at me, look at me. I'm supporting X, Y, Z instead of just doing it to because, like you said, it felt good for you, whatever you support. And I have a very mixed family. I mean, a lot of my family's from North Dakota and they're all over the United States. So we got some all the way to the left. We got some all the way to the right and everything in between, yeah. you know, and they're all, um, you know, they're good people with different political views for different reasons. They live in different areas and we have different experiences, different life experiences, what have you. I mean, of course, I'm a social worker who works with, you know, a very vulnerable population of addiction and mental health and homelessness that's the population i work with in my internship so of course i um, have an understanding of that population from the bowels out not from yeah. just looking at when you drive by i was at, in the encampments emerged with the population so i'm gonna have a little bit different perspective exactly where the money goes too and by the way i mean i there, that's a whole other thing that but, we can go another three hours just sure. on those topics but, you know and that doesn't again but that doesn't make me any smarter than anybody else at all i just maybe have more information having been in the bowels of it that's all exactly but you have that knowledge from that perspective knowledge yeah yeah inf- yeah information and and i think it's what you do with your information exactly but, but on a more positive note make sure you follow dd on instagram but yeah. also like we said starting on thursday the 30th she is going to have a new season of big sky so dd thank you so much for the time you are welcome. Oh, and by the way, I believe in UFOs and the writers wrote it in for Denise. <laughs>
Right on. We, I know, come I, on. I gotta represent millions of people who believe in that, right? Hey, yeah, <laughs> all good. So that's a so that's another episode we can get into diving yeah, in there. You were, not but, life is see, not to believe in everything. <laughs> see, folks, we're sitting here, we're booking shit on the fly, folks. You know, we you know, different topics, whether we go into the social work, whether we go into UFOs, we, you know, we'll book the territory, folks. We're you know so many different directions we can have Denise back on for oh, DD back on for, you know. I'll let's back, let's I'll run with it. I mean I'll be back. Oh, absolutely. There's so many different ways we can go with this, folks. We're running it. We're booking it. DD, thank you so much. Thank you and have a beautiful day. brand is truly exciting and so glad that they are starting to make a positive impact. Little Bean Soapery is a woman-owned small business based in Northeast Pennsylvania. Little Bean Soapery does so much as all products are handcrafted and offer many different things for both men and women. Soaps, scrubs, body butters, bath bombs, solid cologne and much more. Little Bean Soapery also does things for special occasions such as birthdays, Mother's Day, Father's Day and special seasonal gift sets. But also let's not forget large orders for party favours by request. The great things about all products is that they are crafted to be nourishing on the skin. If you wish to check them out please feel free to visit littlebeansoapery.com. Any questions, please feel free to also email littlebeansopery at gmail.com for custom inquiries and or ask anything else you wish. Tell them that Elena from Crazy Train Radio sends you. Hey there, it's Alan Troutman, Tarman from Return of the Living Dead. And if there's anybody you should listen to, it's me about listening to Crazy Train Radio. Go do it. Go away. Do it now.